Back when I was still practicing law, I represented a man who was an absentee landlord. Now, if you've ever owned rental property, you know it can be difficult to manage tenants, and it can be especially difficult if they live far away from you, if you're far away from your property. Sometimes, tenants don't pay all of the rent on time, and sometimes tenants don't pay the rent at all. Sometimes, tenants don't take very good care of the property, and sometimes, Tenants really abuse the property, and in the worst cases, they don't pay the rent and they abuse the property, and that's what happened to the man that I represented. His wife had died, and he decided he wanted to move to another city to live near his children, but he still retained title to his home, and he thought he'd run it out for income. So he moved out, and he rented his home to a family. They moved in, and almost immediately, they stopped paying rent. Then he received word from the neighbors that they were not taking care of the house. The lawn had gone to seed, and they'd pretty much turned over the run of the place to some huge German shepherd dogs who were destroying the interior. So he tried repeatedly to get in touch with the tenants and ask them to pay the rent and clean up the house, but to no avail. He had no luck getting in touch with them. So in desperation, one weekend, he actually traveled to Dallas and about camped out on the front porch of the house trying to talk to them. No luck, they avoided him the entire time. So we sent numerous letters threatening legal action, and they ignored those too. And eventually, this poor man had to resort to eviction. Um, he had to go through the eviction process and involve the constable who had to go to the house and actually physically force the family to move out. And even then, all of their personal possessions remained on the lawn for days. It was a mess. He was out thousands and thousands of dollars, and his home was really, really damaged. And he said to me, you know what? I'm out of the rental business. This is for the birds. Well, the behavior of those tenants was pretty egregious, right? I mean, that's enough to make you step back and say, why do people do the things they do? Why do they behave that way? But that's nothing compared to the tenants in our text this morning in this parable that Jesus tells. Jesus says there was an absentee landlord who sent his servants to collect the rent from the tenants at a vineyard that he owned. And when the servant showed up, rather than pay the rent, the tenants physically attacked the servants and beat them and stoned them and even killed one of them. This was incredible. But the landlord decided to try again. He sent a second group of servants, larger this time, to collect the rent. But the tenants did the same thing they physically attacked the servants, and they beat them, and they stoned them, and they killed them. Now, at this point, you would think that this landlord would call the authorities and say, this is for the birds. I'm washing my hands of this. I'm not trying to collect from these people anymore. But not this landlord. You know, for some reason, he's willing to give these tenants one more chance. So he says to himself, I'll send my son to collect the produce. The son goes. 
Do they respect the son? No. The tenants see the son coming and they say, look, there's the heir. We'll kill him and we'll take his inheritance. And they do just that. They throw him out of the vineyard and they kill him. Now at this point, Jesus stops the parable and he says to his audience, what do you think's gonna happen to those tenants when the owner shows up? And they say, oh, those tenants really have it coming to them. He's gonna make sure that those miserable wretches die an awful death. And then he's going to rent his vineyard out to people who will care for the property and actually pay the rent. And that's when Jesus drops the hammer. Have you not read the scriptures, he says. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Friends, did I mention to you that Jesus' audience is the chief priests and the Pharisees. And can you imagine the looks on their faces as it slowly dawns on them that they are the murderous tenants and Jesus is the son of the landowner, that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected who has become the cornerstone. Isn't Jesus a brilliant storyteller? He's the best. These parables that he tells are so full of imagery, of richness, of emotion. We get really caught up in the story, don't we? We can imagine the story unfolding and we can feel the air thick with condemnation for the chief priests and the Pharisees. Jesus wants us to get caught up in the story. It's important for us so we can understand it. But we can get so caught up that we miss a very important detail here. And friends, that detail is that Jesus told this parable right before his death. Jesus told this parable when he knew he was going to the cross. In fact, he told this parable to the very people who were conspiring against him to put him on the cross. He was talking to the chief priests and the Pharisees who were so threatened by his life, his ministry, his mission that they wanted to kill him. He knew this. He saw the cross before him he could have run away, but of course he didn't. And why? Out of love. Jesus went to the cross out of love. Now, over the centuries, theologians have put forth various theories as to why Jesus had to die, to pay for our sins, to defeat sin and death, to ransom us from Satan, to set such an example of grace that we would be inspired to follow, but whatever theory you ascribe to underneath, all of them is love. Love for you and me, love for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life.
for God so loved the world. That is why Jesus went to the cross. For God so loved the world, it was God's great dream, God's highest desire, that Jesus be a cornerstone for a new way of living, a way of living rooted in love of God and love of neighbor. Friends, why, oh why, are we still trying to understand this? Why, oh why, do so many of us seem to struggle with the understanding that our world was created by love for love, by a loving God? Why do so many of us struggle somehow to take it into our hearts that God's great desire is that our world be bathed in love, bound by love, that our lives demonstrate his love every day? What do you think it would take for us to understand that and to live it? What would it take for all of us in the whole world to understand that love and live it? Would God have to send his only son, the heir, to the vineyard to be killed? Would that do it? Would that be enough for us to finally understand? You know that on the night before he died, Jesus gathered with some friends in an upper room to share a final Passover feast. And he surprised them by departing from the ritual of that meal and taking the bread and breaking it and saying, this is my body which is given for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. Jesus did not speak words that divide Jesus didn't ask about political affiliation. Jesus didn't ask who belonged to what denomination. He didn't ask about differences in worship styles or liturgy or how people are baptized in a pool or by sprinkling. And he didn't ask about differences in culture or custom or language. He just called everyone around his table and he offered himself in love. Friends, on this World Communion Sunday, the great question before us is whether we finally get it or not. Do we get it? Do we understand it? Have we taken it into our hearts? Do we understand who Jesus was and what he was about and how he calls us to live our lives? Because if we do get it, if we do understand, if it is hit here and fallen to here and has played out here, well then, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It makes all the difference to the world. Will you pray with me? 
most loving and gracious God. You sent your son to us into the vineyard. But perhaps we didn't really understand. Maybe today, maybe this day, it finally hits our hearts that he offered himself because he loves us. He offered himself because you love us with a mighty love that will never let us go. Lord, bind us together now as one, not just on this World Communion Sunday, but always, and let us live into your love as your people of grace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.